going to invite you to take a seat, and, uh, and I just got to tell you, I'm excited about this season. Are you guys excited about this season? Because it's, it's Christmas season. You might be able to tell by the decorations. Is that, you know, Christmas season is a season of miracles. It's a season of hope. It's a season where, uh, you, know, uh, you know, your dreams can live on, which is why I'm wearing a Cardinals jersey. And uh, <laughs> now, I, I'm, uh, you know, there's, there's more to it than just that because I, I'm also wearing it because, uh, you know, of, of our, our Parker, Parker campus pastor, Ruben Magdaleno. Uh, his wife, Joanna, is, uh, is my assistant, and she's a rabid Steelers fan. They're playing tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I just thought I'd go ahead and rub it in, and, and uh, in Parker Campus, you know, you know she's not there because she's uh, going to be at the game, and uh, so you just rub it into her after the Cardinals win. Uh, so, uh, anyway, hey, uh, something exciting uh, also is happening this season I want to share with you about because we have an amazing opportunity uh, in Arizona for something that blesses uh, nonprofits, especially Christian nonprofits, in, in amazing ways. Uh, uh, Arizona has, has passed laws that allow you, if you pay Arizona income tax, uh, to be able to direct some of that to nonprofits. And uh, we're part of an organization uh, with our Christian school, Calvary Christian Academy, uh, called ACSTO. It's Arizona Christian School Tax Organization. And uh, if you're a married couple, you can give over $2,000. And if you're single, over $1,000 to an organization that, uh, that you're allowed to bless, make it scholarship money for that organization. And so I just wanted to uh, challenge you, if you pay Arizona income taxes and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this makes great sense to be able to direct money to Calvary Christian Academy so that we can educate people and introduce families to Jesus Christ. So uh, I just want to encourage you, on your way out, pick up one of these. They're going to be available at both Connection Centers, at all the Connection Centers, at all the campuses. If you have questions, come see me, or there's going to be people available at the campuses to answer your questions about this. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's a tax credit, dollar for dollar. You, whatever you pay in, you get back if you're going to get refunds. So uh, just take one of these, give it to your tax preparer, ask questions. And, and it, by the way, you can do this, and you can still give to the public school tax credit for the extracurricular sports and stuff. It's not either or, it's both and. And uh, I just want to share that with you because our school has been tremendously blessed and uh, most of the families get some kind of uh, tax credit scholarship and I just want to make more money available so that we can offer more students that opportunity to go to uh, CCA and by the way if you know somebody who wants to go there you can actually direct it to them as long as you're not their parents so uh, it's just a great way of doing this. So if you've got questions after service, see me. Uh, our, I think our, our uh, CCA school director is going to be available as well. And uh, make sure you get these and, and give them to your tax, tax preparer. A lot of people don't know about this, and I don't want you to miss the opportunity because it's too good. So that said, uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 20. Bibles, Bible apps, uh, whatever it is that you're looking at Scripture on. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Uh, if you're at our uh, Parker campus, then there's a table in the back. You guys can just go back there and grab a Bible. If you're at our McCulloch campus or our Sweetwater campus, there's Bibles in the seats around you. Hey, speaking of our uh, McCulloch campus, uh, I'm going to be there next Sunday. So uh, McCulloch, I'll see you then. Uh, Parker, I'm going to be there in two weeks, the week before Christmas. So I'm going to be worshiping with you then as well. So look forward to seeing you guys uh, in that time in the flesh. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, you already told you how to grab one, turn to page uh, 980. Page 980 is our text. And as always, if you don't have one, then please take one of these with you. 
It's our gift to you. We want you to have the Word of God and read the Word of God because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Uh, now, the problem is when we read the Bible, we find stuff that we go, hmm. We come across passages that we don't really like, that, that offend our sensibilities, that even challenge our culture and how we see life. And, and uh, today we're looking at one of these stories. Uh, as we wrap up our Moral of the Story series, we're looking at a story that Jesus tells to explain God's kingdom that I'm pretty sure will make all of us a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, it's Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, Well, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Um, I want to just talk about some of the issues that this parable is not about. Because if you're like me and you read this parable the first time, you're kind of going, I don't get it. So let me tell you what it's not about. It's not about the issues of fairness. Because there's a lot of people who are going, this isn't fair. It is not about free enterprise. Uh, by the way, you can't use this parable to argue that God's a communist because he paid everyone the same, no matter how much they worked. That's not what it's about. It's not in there just to, you know, make people who are part of the EEOC upset. Right? It's, it's not any about any of those things. Uh, it, it's, it isn't arguing that it doesn't matter how you live your life. We talked about that last week when we know that God's going to hold us accountable. And there's a test at the end. We've got to talk about that. God rewards faithful managers. So it's not about hard work and all that kind of stuff. It's a crazy story that unsettles us because it's about God's grace. And God's grace, when it's crazy and raw and revealed to us, really is actually unsettling. God's grace, when we put it on the table from God's perspective, makes us uncomfortable. And that's what this parable is about. That's what this story is about. So I want to look at this parable around the dialogue that happens in the story. Because that's where, where the, what's, what's really revealed is in the conversation. So the first uh, place I want to begin is to ask the question, are you working in God's vineyard? 
Are you working in God's vineyard? Because the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out and recruited people to work in his vineyard. And let's face it, the master was a recruiting madman, right? Because he went out at dawn and he hired people and he went out mid-morning and he hired people and he went out at noon and mid-afternoon and even at dusk and hired people to work in his vineyard. Now, maybe he had a lot of work to get done. Doesn't matter. It's his vineyard. He wants workers in the vineyard. And so he was just crazy about it. He wants workers in his field. You know what that means? That means that God wants you in his vineyard. God wants you to be one of his workers. God wants you in his family. God desires that you be on his team. God wants to include you in his kingdom. Did you notice what the the master didn't do? He didn't ask for resumes. He didn't interview them and say, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. I don't like you. I don't think you're good enough. He just said, you want to work? Go. There it is. Go to the vineyard. Go on. I've already agreed what the wages are, but don't worry about it. You're going to work all day. I'll pay you what what I decide. He just just wanted workers. And, And I think this is great news. You are wanted by God. I'm wanted by God. And we've heard that a lot, so we're like, yeah, so what? See, I don't, I don't understand why this doesn't like just absolutely thrill our souls. Because if you think in any way, shape, or form that you are insignificant, that you are unimportant, that you are unwanted, that you are not valuable in this world, I want you to know that you're wrong. God wants you to be in his vineyard. God wants you on his team. And, and, and this is how this hits me. We have to go back into to time a little bit. So those of you that are really young, you're not going to understand this reference. But how many of you grew up playing games on the playground? Okay. And, and now they don't, you know, everything's bubble wrapped and so you have to be careful. But, and, and schools definitely do not allow this next thing to happen. How many of you ever said, hey, let's play a game and you picked captains for a team that chose others, Right. Yeah, most of you did. Now that's like against the law or something because you'll make people mad, hurt feelings and all that kind of stuff. But you're the, and by the way, I was never the captain because they always picked the best athletes to be the captains or the coolest kids to be the captain. I, and, and that was not me. So the captains were there and they were going to pick the people for their team. Doesn't matter if you're playing baseball, you're playing basketball, you're playing football or whatever uh, game it is, they're picking. And, and you're over there wanting to be picked, right? I want to be picked. And, and so you're kind of like going, hey, pick, you know, pick me, pick, pick me. And, and, you know, captured perfectly by Donkey and Shrek. Uh, and, but we don't want to be that enthusiastic. We don't want to look uncool trying to want to be picked. And so what happens is, you know, you're sitting there quietly dying as they pick all the people around you. And you're desperately pleading with God in that moment, please don't let me be last. Because you know what happens with the last couple of ones. Hey, um, we're good. You take them. Well, no, that's okay. they got to be on your team. It's your turn to pick. And they argue about who has to take you rather than who gets to take you. Anybody else ever been one of those last people? Pick? Yeah, that's, that's horrible. It's terrible. You're just like, ah, oh, this is awful. I want to be wanted, and, and people don't want you. God wants you. Wait, let, let that sink in for a minute. God wants you. To be on his team. God wants you in his vineyard. He is recruiting and he's recruiting you. So are you working in God's vineyard? Because at its very essence, this is a story about salvation. 
Everyone is welcome and wanted in God's kingdom. Jesus is inviting, come join my mission. Come serve in my fields. Come be my servant. So have you committed to the master's vineyard? I mean, he asked the question, why are you standing around all day? No one's asked us to work for him. Well, come on. Have you committed to following Jesus? That's what this boils down to. Have you come to that place in your life where you've acknowledged that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world? That you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and was raised from the dead and you have made a decision, a commitment, that you're going to follow Jesus the rest of your life. Now, if you have, then please understand that you are not saved because you are working for the master. You do not have salvation because you're doing his bidding. That is not what happens in the story, and that's not what happens in our lives. You see, we work for Jesus because he's already given us salvation. We say that again. We don't work for Jesus in order to be saved. We work for Jesus because he has already given us salvation. He's already forgiven our sins. He's already granted us eternal life. And now, out of gratitude, we are honoring him. It's a huge distinction that we need to get correct. It's a tremendous distinction. And the one, if you're working for salvation, that's what religion looks like. Every religion in the world. It's about being better. It's about being good. It's about trying harder. And, and I talk to people all the time and say, well, I hope I'm going to make it to heaven. That's religion. I hope I'm being good enough. I hope I get in. The other one is grace. The other one is Jesus because he says, hey, look, just come work in my vineyard and I'll, and I'll take care of you. I'll make it right at the end of the day. I'll make it right at the end of your life. I'll include you. And, and see, we have eternal life because Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. That's grace. See, religion is always trying harder. Grace is about a gift. And then because we have eternal life, because we are grateful for the gift that God has given us, what do we do? We gladly serve him. We gladly say yes to the vineyard. You see, God loves you. God wanted you before you did one thing for him. You realize that, that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Before we said we'll go work in the vineyard, Jesus died for us. That's the reality. And when we receive the gift of life, when we become his servants, he promises to take care of us at the end of the day. And that's the eternal life. He promises to give us what he promised. Right? Those first workers. I, I, I'm going to give you a denarius. He gave what he promised. You know the words of Jesus, John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but has what? Eternal life. Eternal life. It's the promise of heaven. And that brings us to the moral of the story. The moral of the story is God will give grace to anyone who asks. God will give grace to anyone who asks. You see, God paid the price for our rebellion. God paid the price for our sin. God paid the price for our defiance. That's what Jesus was all about. The Apostle Peter put it this way in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, knowing 
that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you have been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, God purchased you through the sacrifice of Jesus. What a beautiful picture. God wants you enough that, that he paid the price for your sin, my sin, our rebellion with the blood of Jesus. And, and so he went ahead and paid that for us. And it's God's grace. And so God can be as generous with his grace as he wants to. Now, Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. A few verses later, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when Paul says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, uh, what does he mean by that? Everyone, right? Everyone. If anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. Whether they are young or old, whether they are religious or atheists, whether they are good people or bad people, God's grace is available to you. Uh, I confessed Jesus when I was eight years old. Okay, got baptized when I was nine. Said uh, God's called me into ministry when I was 17. Uh, started working in churches when I was 19 uh, in ministry roles. Uh, so for about 38 years, I've been doing this. 38 years. I, I, I love that I get the opportunity to do this. A few years ago, uh, uh, we baptized a man who was 89. And uh, by the description of his wife and daughter, he had pretty much been, been mean and nasty his whole life. His wife was a saint. She was in church all the time. They'd been married for, golly, almost 70 years by the time he passed away. And, uh, and he didn't go to church with her ever until they moved to Havasu. And they were older. And he started getting a little bit nervous about whether or not she was going to cheat on him. He didn't want her to go anywhere unless he went along with her. So guess what? On Sundays, uh, she went to church, and he went to church with her. He didn't believe any of that stuff. And, and, and we'd go and I'd go and try to, you know, visit with her, and he, he'd get mad at her if we came to the house. So, that, you know, uh, his family said, don't go visit mom because dad just gets mad and, and gets mean to her. So I, didn't, I just said hi to him week in and week out. One day I get a call. He wants to see me now. Uh-oh, what did I do? So I went over there. I don't know. What did I do? I made him mad somehow. He's, you know what? And, and he wanted to talk about Jesus. He wanted to know how he could have eternal life. And I shared with him what I just shared with you a few minutes ago about, you know, confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We prayed. Uh, we baptized him about a couple of weeks later. And then you know what happened next? He died. You know what? He's just as saved as I am. Doesn't matter. I've been working in the fields uh, since dawn, and he showed up at dusk. Doesn't matter one bit. He'll be in heaven, just as I will. You see, God's grace is amazing. It's abundant. It's wonderful, and it's available to you if you ask for it. If you're willing to say, yes, I'll go work in your vineyard. I'm happy to do that, and I'll trust you with what I need. 
And that brings us to the next dialogue and the next question. And the question is, are you rejoicing in God's grace for others? Look again at the story, the latter half, beginning in verse 8. Said, and when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius, a whole day's pay. They got it all. Now, when those who were hired first came, they thought they're going to receive more. But they got a denarius. And what did they do? On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, Hey, 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 this is not fair. These last guys worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. What is wrong with you? It's an accusation. But he replied to, to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? In other words, didn't I give you what I said I was going to give you? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Wow. Are you rejoicing in God's grace for others? Because those early workers weren't happy. Even though the master gave them exactly what he promised them. They cried out, it's not fair. And, and I just got to tell you, I love the master's response. Don't I have the right to do with my stuff what I want? Doesn't God have the right to do with his grace what he wants? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Uh, some other translations put it this way. Are you envious or jealous of my generosity or my kindness? So do you begrudge God's generosity towards others? Or do you rejoice in God's grace towards others? I, I realize that on the surface this is an easy question to answer. But really deep down we need to wrestle with this because all of us want to experience and receive grace for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I want grace. Pretty sure you do too. And, and we all want our family and friends included. We want them to get grace. That's why we pray for them and encourage them. We might even want random nice people to get grace, right? But do you really want your obnoxious coworker who stabs you in the back and tries to undermine you every time you're up for promotion to get grace? Do you desire your political opponents to get grace? I mean, even if they're going to vote the same way after they get saved? In other words, do you want them to convert to Jesus more than you want them to convert to your party? Do you really want God to be generous towards your ex? See, I've been in a lot of churches that were filled with the early day laborers. Good people, love Jesus, they're showing up, they're you know, giving their offerings, they're signing up to serve, they're just good people. But they weren't always happy about God's generosity towards sinners. You know what I mean? I mean, if they, if you came in and you had this dramatic testimony of how God changed your life and you'd been an addict or you'd messed up a bunch, you got divorced, you remarried, all this, then, then they were like, oh, we're glad you're here, you can't do anything. 
oh, we're glad you're here, but we're going to devalue you and make you feel like you're not as important as the rest of us who haven't messed up in the same way that you have. We're glad you're here, but you're just not as good as us. No, they didn't mean to. They just thought that's what you do because that's what you do in religion. Right? Religion's got a pecking order. Start down here. Oh, you're bad people, but now God's let you in. So just be thankful. We'll let you sit on the floor. James talked about that in his letter. The good people or the rich people, you get the good seats. Can I, can I just be honest? I, around here at Calvary, you've, if you've got a story where you were really messed up and then God redeemed you, we'll trust you more than other people because we know you understand grace. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're messed up, but they know it. And they're on a path to healing, and you're like, these people tell the truth, and I like that. You can trust them. It's the people who look too good in their life that we're like, I'm not so sure about you, you know. You're hiding something. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of churches filled with early day laborers who are not really thrilled that God esteems others as important as them. Here's the thing. If you're not happy about others receiving grace then you're not living in grace. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus hasn't forgiven you of your sins and and you've got eternal life ahead of you. What I'm saying is that you're not living in grace. You're still doing the religious thing. Jesus might have saved you, but you're keeping score. You're living by obligation. You're trying to earn more from God, and that's being religious. Here's the test. You can give yourself this test. I'm praying you pass it, okay? But honestly, do you judge others harshly? I mean, we, look, we all judge other people. Like, I judge people by how they drive. <laughs> Just being honest. We judge each other by who we root for on football teams. That stuff's, like, not really all that important. You know, we're, but I'm, you, know, you might judge people, you know, for what they eat or drink. I drink Diet Pepsi. Lots of people judge me for that. Uh, but I'm talking about really looking at people's lives and judging them harshly. You do that, then you might be, you know, living in religion instead of grace? Or do you believe that some people should suffer hell? That's a dangerous question because you're like, well, yeah, they, they really deserve it. They were evil monsters. They should, you know, burn there. Okay. Do you quietly rejoice when people fall back into their destructive lifestyles? Like, I knew it wouldn't last. <laughs> right? Look, Sorry, I've been in those churches. I've been with those people. Yeah, yeah, God changed her life, but they fell off the wagon. I knew that wouldn't last. Not as good as me. Here's the reality. For me and for all of us, I deserve hell. I've rebelled against God, and I deserve hell. If I get what I deserve, then it is eternal damnation. Because I've sinned, I've rebelled, I've defied God, I've said my way is better than your way, I'm going to do it my way. So I have earned the right to go to hell. The Apostle Paul says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God provided a gift. Salvation through Jesus and his sacrifice. It's a gift. Do you earn gifts? Do you earn gifts? Okay, some of you are like, Well, yes, I think I earned that gift. (laughs) Hey, if you earned it, it's not a gift. 
If you earned it, it's wages. No, you don't earn gifts. Gifts are undeserved. That's why it's a gift. You receive this gift of life. I received this gift of life because I decided at eight years old I was going to follow Jesus. Okay, that's, that's a gift. I received it. So I deserve hell, and I know I deserve hell, but I get to go to heaven when I die. Because that's the gospel, and that's Jesus' promise. I'm going to give you exactly what I promised you, eternal life. Exactly what I promised you. Um, and by the way, I'm excited about everyone who receives grace. I want everyone to receive grace. I'm going to say it again. I want you to receive grace. I want you to live in grace. I want you to just be in abundance of grace. Because that's what draws people to Jesus. And, and by the way, I already mentioned this, but we all deserve hell. Not just terrorists or pedophiles, drug dealers, or people who vote opposite than you. Okay? We all deserve hell. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can go to heaven. That is so incredible. That is the good news. And, and here's, here's the thing. And when you're living in grace, when you're aware of the gift that God has given you, let me say that again. When you're living in grace and you are aware in a constant way of the, the gift that God has given you, it's undeserved, and you know that you deserve hell, but you get heaven because of grace then you really think God's generosity towards others is awesome, no matter who they are. And you celebrate it. So two questions to close. First one is, are you working in God's vineyard? Are you working in God's vineyard? In other words, have you accepted God's invitation to follow Jesus Christ? If you haven't yet, man, can I just encourage you to come talk to us after the service? Prayer teams down front, pastors at the Welcome Centers, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to help you celebrate that decision to say yes to Jesus. And by the way, if you've said yes to Jesus and yet you've never proclaimed that in baptism, you've never publicly declared that Jesus Christ has changed your life, can we encourage you to do that? That's your first step of obedience. That's where you're going to begin growing as you say, God, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And I can't think of a better time for you to do that than our upcoming Christmas Eve services. What a better way to celebrate Jesus' birthday, the birth of grace into this world, than by declaring to a bunch of people who probably don't know Jesus that he's changed your life. I, I just, if you want to do that, just grab one of the Connect cards and say, baptism, Christmas Eve. We don't care if it's Christmas Eve. We'll baptize you any place, anytime. There's water in a crowd, Okay. <laughs> Because it's my job to help you be obedient to Jesus, and so uh, we will do that. But So are you, are you working in God's vineyard? And if the answer is yes, then are you rejoicing in God's grace for yourself? Are you rejoicing in God's grace? Because we want you to. And, and if you're like, yeah, I, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm really not living in grace, we, wanna, we can talk as well. Because we want you living in that awareness, that fullness of God's grace. And then, uh, how about for others? Uh, we're really, uh, can I just tell you, I, I shared with you uh, that we want our, my job is to help you be obedient to Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus wants all of us involved in is communicating his grace and his love to other people who don't know it. 
can I just really encourage you to do something? On your way out, would you grab some of those Christmas invite cards? We've got six services at our three campuses. And, and Christmas season is like the most receptive season to invitations to church of all time of the year. Everybody's focused on the same thing, spending money, getting debt, and going to parties, right? But they know it's a church thing. They know it's a religious thing. And use that to your advantage. And you've, we've all got some friends or some neighbors or some coworkers that don't believe. They don't know grace. They don't even know about grace. They don't even know how good it is. How about inviting them? How about you being the one who extends that opportunity for them to come and hear about the vineyard? Because then they might decide that they're going to work in the vineyard. They might decide to follow Jesus. Uh, because if you're in the vineyard, the master actually expects you to work. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us life in Jesus. Thank you for sending him into this world to be our Savior. Thank you for wanting us, for choosing us, for saying, hey, come and be part of this kingdom. God, we can't thank you enough for the, the beautiful gift of grace. So make it real in our lives. God, there's, there's some here that, that know you and love you and, and have committed their lives to following you, but the, the reality of grace in their soul isn't just, they haven't, they're not living in it. God, make it real to them tonight. Make it real to them. And God, help all of us to share that hope that living hope that we have in Jesus as Savior and Lord with the people around us, the people we care about, the people we don't even like. God, because we want to rejoice in your power to change lives. We love you. Thank you for changing our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.